Welcome to the Believe in Steelers podcast on the Believe Podcast Network. I'm your host, Mark Bergen, joined as always by two-time Super Bowl champion and 12-year veteran of the Pittsburgh Steelers, Ike Taylor, and also our very first guest, Ike, one of your teammates, two-time Super Bowl champion as well, 11-year NFL veteran, Tyrone Carter, joining us this morning. Tyrone, fellas, welcome in. TC, what's What's up? Thanks for coming on, TC. What's happening, Ike Taylor? What yeah. the deal, man? Y'all got me on this podcast, dog. You know <laughs> this internet stuff, but I'm going to do it for you because we was one of a kind. When I'm talking yeah. about one of a kind, they ain't going to never find no group of young men that was after one thing. Hey, TC, tell them what made us, TC, tell what made us so special. It bonding together, coming close together as a team. Well, we call it bands of brothers, like Coach Kyle will always say. We did everything together. That's why we were so great. So I'm happy to be a part of this podcast and let the viewers know all about the Steelers, how we were so special and why we were so special. Hey, Let's get it started, Ike. Hey, TC, why don't you go on to tell them why we were so special, bro? For me, I think what made us so special, when I look back over the years I've been there, Ike, I was, I was blessed to be drafted by the Minnesota Vikings. And at that time in 2000, on paper, it was no team could match us from player to player. We had talent, all Americans, we had everything. And on that team, I was able to be there for three and a half years. It was more about power struggle, Ike. When I mean power, that means everybody playing to get that power. That power meaning we don't start practice without you. So if the practice started at eight o'clock and you late, you came at 8.30, we gonna sit there and be waiting for you to come. Now, right there, that showed me it was all about power. Because once you get at the top, they let you do all the things without you only supposed to be doing, but you still do it and get away with it. But, but then, guess what, I Man, I thought I was going to get me a Super Bowl in my rookie year. I right. started in the NFC Championship. We was 14-2 that year. And we lost to New York, where New York was a wild card. They goose-stayed us 41-0. That wow. showed me. You can have the players, you can have the talent. But boy, if you ain't got that cohesiveness, that closeness as a brother, that brother band of brothers, boy, you won't win no championship. And that's what I believe why we won so special because on that team, that organization from the top down, no man was better than the other. We was all after the same thing. We hold each other accountable. And guess what? We always looked out for each other. We know we went out, and we went out and we're going to be late. Guess what we do before I go to work or before each one of us go to work? We're going to check on each other. And if they ain't up, guess what? We're going to go get them. We ain't going to go to work without our brothers. Why? Because my brother late, we late. That's how we was, and that's why we won, all right? And now that I'm done, I'm retired eight years ago, all right? I played 11 years, man. Been a part of four teams in 11 years. I got a chance to see four different organizations. So nobody can't tell me, because I seen one, I saw four. And the Pittsburgh Steelers, that's the old oh, man, it's no better. It's a reason why they had the most Super Bowls. And, and, right. and you, New England, all they did is copycat. All they did is copycat. So at the end of the day, that's when football meant something to us. Today's football is it's not that with us. I don't think we could play in that, right? Because the type of man we was, Bro, we was out there, especially on that defensive side. But we ain't, we ain't taking no prisoner. I don't care. We ain't care about nothing like that. Do they 
know we led the league in personal foul, personal building. Do, like, do they know that? But we opened up that fifth bar at the end. But we take no smack. There we what go, up? Mike. Let's go, baby. Y'all for me. Hey, so for, for the viewers and the listeners, want to thank y'all for tuning in now. Tyrone Carter from Pompano Beach. We used to call him Pistol Starter. The reason why we used to call Tyrone Carter Pistol Starter because he always played and every day he has a chip on his shoulder, a chip on the shoulder, which was always good in his favor. If it came down to the bad, that's just how we was going to roll. We was a band of brothers. We was going to roll with each other like that. So we never asked, we meaning us in the Pittsburgh Steelers, especially on the defensive side, we never asked what's going on to after the fact. That's how we roll. So once one jumping into something, all of us doing something. Now to give you a rundown on Tyrone Carter, he's a former Thorpe Award winner. Now you're gonna ask me at the height of what five nine, five ten, TC? Oh, you say five nine, five ten? Y'all gonna give me the out? Yeah, because you're not five, you're not nine, five, five eleven. I've got his combine. You gonna always say I'm five six or five seven, but nine. <laughs> you retired. You gonna give me the nine? You gonna give yeah, me the nine? I get a nine. I get a nine. You give me the nine. Yeah, I've got his combine the, numbers and, and, here, and it's sixty-seven point six, so five seven and a half. That was at that was at the combine back in the day. Okay, okay, so five seven and a half. Picture a guy coming from Pompano Beach, going to the University of Minnesota, being a Thorpe Award winner, the best DB in the nation. So y'all viewers who who want to be tall like me, six two, just because you're tall don't mean you're gonna be good or you can't be successful. Just picture a guy who's at five, seven and a half, winning the Thorpe Award, going to the University of Minnesota, coming from the state of Florida. So my whole thing and my perspective is, height has nothing to do with being good. If you're good, the NFL gonna find you. And it's obvious Tyrone Carter, being a Thorpe Award winner, the NFL fountain, was that the fourth round, TC? Listen, I I tell you what, I I like the T.I. for one reason. When he say he 5'9 with a soul of a 6'4, that let me know when people judge you about how you look, not looking at your, your workload you put in there. Right. That was me. I I came in this world. When you mentioned Pompano Beach, Florida, I came in this world, man. My mama had five kids at the age of 22. I'm the third oldest. And coming up in Pompano Beach, Florida, you had to work for everything. So size didn't matter. What they measured you was your heart, your heart and your effort. So with that, I just told them to just put me on the playing field. I already know my back was against the wall, but one thing I learned I, is preparation. Don't matter how size you is, if I'm prepared and I know you, I don't study you, I know your every move, my height don't matter. All I got to do is get there and make the play. So that. Being short, everybody always say that short man syndrome, that little man syndrome, because we always got to prove ourselves to each other. And that's one thing I, I want y'all to understand about Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh, to me, I thought was a bunch of group, group of guys that always had to prove themselves, was most people that never gave us a chance. So when you put those guys together, boy, that's devastating. It's hard. It's, it's unstoppable, especially with the mindset. So size never played an issue to me. I know it did for the people that had me trying to rate me or put me in a position to play, but all I knew was give me a chance and I'll show you. 
And cause that let me know I was preparing before the opportunity came. I knew what I wanted, so I was preparing. I was preparing. And at the end of the day, when it goes down, I, I never let size be my enemy. Never. All I do is, hey, I control one thing, I that's giving my best. And whatever happens after that, I can hold my head up. What I'm gonna do is, I'm gonna get two things out of that. The first thing I'm gonna get is, what I thought I was, I probably wasn't as good as I thought I was. And the second thing is, now I got to do some more work. So I never got complacent. I always, my ceiling on my roof is, you can, ain't no ceiling on there. So I'm steady searching for the ceiling. So that enabled me to be the best that I can be because I never want to be mediocre. I never want to be average. And I ain't just want to be at the NFL. I didn't. I want to be there, but I want to make my imprint there. I want to stick. When they got there, I got drafted. I already said I wasn't going to get drafted. I got drafted in the fourth round. They told me I was, I wasn't going to make five years. I made five was my first goal because they said pension was at five. All I want to do is get five. I, that, I, that five came so fast, I set the five to ten. I got that ten and got one extra. That's a blessing. I thank God for it. Key is this, I, I never missed a game. I never missed practice. I never had surgery. Never broke a bone. How you think that happened? I at five, seven and a half. Let your partner over there say the combine number. <laughs> hey, hey, TC. So that's what it it's, is, Ike man. Hey, TC. Won't you, uh, won't you give the viewers or tell the viewers one of your finest moments when you was over there in Pittsburgh, bro? Man, I, I got so many, and I'll be doing my brother in the Steelers organization a disservice with one. But you know, I'm gonna give you one, I I'm gonna give you one, I'm gonna give you one. <laughs> I'm gonna tell you this, I I came from the NFC because I got drafted by the Vikings and we're in the NFC North. The NFC North back then was Green Bay, Chicago, Tampa Bay. Uh, that North, playing those guys twice a year, I'm always eager to it. And now we go to the playoff and we got to play Chicago Bears in the snow. Now, when we seen the snow, I know when I seen the snow, I say, boy, they can't throw that ball. Now it's going to be a smash mouth football right there. We got to see how it go. But boy, when the game got on the line, when everything was against Jerome Bettis, being an old veteran, ain't got the wheels that he had before, when we needed the most, he stood in the paint, took everything that people took him aside, even the coach, even the coach, sat him down and brought a new face in there and tried to put him in there. But Jerome Bettis showed me what leader is all about. When they call his name and his number, he answered the bell after adversity. And it wasn't his fault. That meant volume to me that told me that, hey, we all together. I can't get mad at nothing. I got to continue to do what they asked me to do and beat up for my brothers when my number is called. That's one moment that stuck with me, Ike, and I carry that right now today as I continue to teach these young men at my TC Elite training schools now. Let me get to that. That TC Elite training school, why don't you give the viewers and tell the viewers what that's about because you've been having that going on for a while. You do a lot in the community. By nature, TC, from my personal opinion and my personal experience, 
you just a good-hearted dude. You're an old-school dude. You're a good-hearted dude. You just try to teach this young generation what it is, one, to be a young man, two, to be unselfish. But go ahead and give the viewers and tell us and tell me what the TC Elite program is all about. Well, the TC Elite program is, is about, I, I use football to gravitate kids here in the state of Minnesota. I've been doing it for eight years here, but I also was doing it in Florida for 11 years when I played. Coming from an environment where they say we wouldn't make it, it was like survival of the fittest when I came up. And when people did make it in that area, nobody really came back and showed me or told me how they made it, what I needed to do. I never had that. And I always made a vow to myself. I, I say, God, if you ever bless me, I'm going to always come back and show these young kids what it takes, what it took me to get it, and also show them it's possible. So starting the TC Elite up here in the state of Minnesota, I started my collegiate level up here, Ike. I started my professional level up here in the same state. So I'm thankful for the state of Minnesota. So I want to bless their kids. So what I do is I go with kids with disadvantages, single parent, kids that's in the system, especially with me, with the school system, when the school system doesn't label them. I want to get those kids and I want to provide them with all the resources they need to get better. But the main thing is this, ain't about me. I want to find out their needs. I want to see what, what's wrong with them. What can get them right? And then answer those things. And then he could do anything I asked him to do. The only thing it is, these kids don't trust. They don't believe in nobody. And then I want to change the narrative, all right, of these kids today, the young future. Most of these kids think they're entitled because what their parents did. You know, no, I had to learn not having my parents. And I had to not having my parents figure me out to understand that I can't let my family, my mama, my parents, them, affect my life. Just because they didn't graduate from high school and dropped out of school, that don't mean I have to. I got to have a life for myself. So I had to do some soul searching myself and see what I want. And when I found that out, my grandma told me this. And this is how I give my kids these three goals, I right? You can accomplish anything you want in your life if you're willing to do these three things, I right? See yourself doing it. Believe you can do it. And work on it daily. Not a day should go by that you're working on your goals and dreams. Now, the only person can stop you is you. Because if you're doing all that, how is it possible that you can't make it? How? You're working every day to make it. So that right there showed me because I had to live by that same thing, right? And I was able to see my goals and dreams become reality. So all I want to do now is what's going on in this world today is so much hurt, so much bloodshed, so much hate. I want to show these kids, as a role model, how they call us, as a professional athlete, we are obligated to show our young kids that love the game like we do, to show them how the true essence of it, what it took for us to get there. It ain't just going to happen overnight. It takes hard work. It's a journey along your way. I want to tell these kids, all the viewers that's out there that got kids or kids that's listening to this. I want to let these kids know that you're the only one can stop you from accomplishing your goal. Because if you listen to somebody tell you how high you can go, you're missing the point. Because nobody should ever put a limitation on how far you can go. They talking. You got to do the work. So if I got to do the work, I'll be dog if I let anything stop me from accomplishing what I set out to do. I just got to keep working. Don't stop working and watch what happens. 
Here it is, Ike, and you know, bro, you my brother, man. We done played six years together. We done blood, right. sweat, and tears together. We done did everything together. We seen it. So we got the track record. We got the blueprint. All we have to do is strategically teach these young kids so our future will be better for our kids, grandkids, and kids of their kids. And that's what I'm trying to do with my TCLE, getting involved like in the community and touching our young kids because if we want to see a better future, we got to start with the younger generation because as an adult, we're going to die out. When we die out, what we left for them to follow. So we got to tap into that to make a difference in this world. And that's why I started the TC Elite. And I thank Love God it. that I'm continuing to do it. Love and, it. And we'll leave the TC Elite training information, the social media information. If you're in the Minneapolis area, we'll leave that information in the show notes for today so they can reach out to you, get some tremendous professional coaching experience. Tyrone, I want to go back to when you were growing up in Florida and then deciding to go to the University of Minnesota, I was listening to an interview that you did and you were visiting Michigan State, a fellow Big Ten school, and Nick Saban wanted you to commit on the spot during your visit and you opted not to and instead went to the University of Minnesota. What do you remember about that experience? Well, what I remember about that, that experience is uh, Michigan State, they already had my cousin, Najee Carter. We grew up in the same household. My grandma raised us all. And when they had him, I already had that visit there because I was going to go there first. And that visit, I never, I never left the state of Florida in my life. And in college, you get five, right? My grandma always told me to weigh all my options out. Don't just pick one. So I told them going into that, I'm going to go because I feel safe with my cousin. But I never left the state of Florida. I want to visit all my five. I want to take that. I earned that. I don't want to. My grandma, my grandma set him up. She want me to do it. He told me, he said, listen, if you don't come here, we're going to go with Amp Campbell. I remember that boy ain't going to stick with me for the day of my, I, I always stick with me. I remember he said, we're going to take the other kid from Northern Florida, uh, Northern Florida, Amp Campbell, if you don't take it. I said, listen, I'm going to tell you right now, I'm going to call my grandma. But I know if I tell my grandma what you just said, she going to tell me, hey, man, you're going to get him. I'll see you later. Right? So when they did that, my grandma told me, she said, son, you know what? If any man is afraid for you to see your option out there, he ain't confidence in his own. That stuck to me. So I say, okay, my next visit was Minnesota. Now, this high. I ain't even know about no Big Ten. I ain't seen no snow. I don't know no Big Ten football. I'm from the SEC, ACC. I'm from Florida. Well, football is speed. I ain't seen it. So when I go to Minnesota, it's already cold, Ike. It's so cold, man. My jacket my grandma gave me. Soon as I got off the plane, that thing felt like I was butt naked. <laughs> so I say, hey, coach, man, I need me a jacket. They give me a jacket. I'm saying to my mind, ain't no way in the heck I'm coming to this school. Grandma, this place here is no cold. I've never seen it. But once I went to the facility, Ike, and I looked up at the team, and the first thing I seen, I seen Michigan State. Kevin Sumlin was the recruiter at the time, was our receiver coach who recruited me. I said, Kevin, hey, man, y'all play them right there? He said, yeah, we play them. I said, y'all do? I said, shoot, I'm up here because my grandma told me to come up here, but my grandma must be right. I ain't going to tell nobody, buddy. I'm coming to y'all because I want to play that boy. So I'm going to take my visit and say, yeah, you're going to take your visit, but you sure you come? I say, yeah, 
I am coming. Because my cousin on the other side, I'll be there to play that boy. I want to see him. Like that, right? So I take, the, take my visits. I had to ne go to the next visit with Ole Miss. I go to Ole Miss. The time I landed, they had them burnt the cross on out there. My grandma seen on the news. <laughs> my grandma told the people, hey, you better put my baby back on this plane, though. I just seen all this here. They put me back on the plane. I ain't take, no, I went to Clemson next. And then that was it, Pitt. I went to Pittsburgh. I went to Pitt. So I took my Pittsburgh visit, and I ended up going to Minnesota because Nick Saban, what he said. And guess what? I, I ended up starting as a freshman, and every time I made a tackle, I, I had like 12 tackles that game, too. Every time I made the tackle, I say, where's F. Campbell, Nick Saban? Where's F. Campbell? F. Campbell on street clothes, boy. So you want to talk about five, seven, in a half, and F. Campbell six feet, six one. <laughs> Almost like the Nate Robinson of the NFL. Almost like the Nate Robinson of the NFL. So when all this is happening, early on, Minnesota undergoes a coaching change from Jim Wacker to Glenn Mason. What was that like for you at the time? Man, that was just like coming from Florida to Minnesota. Night and day. No discredit to Jim Wacker. Jim Wacker is a great coach. He's a great player coach. He's a coach that want us to use football and to maximize our full potentials outside of football. The platform that it gets for us, which is great for a better person in life that football ain't everything. So with that said, that's not keeping your mindset on another guy being competitive trying to do that year round when you get to the college level, trying to get to the next level. So when Coach Mason came in there, he changed our mindset. If we ain't winning, you ain't getting nothing. I like that. I like that. Because people think they get there, they get that, get that M, wear that M on their chest and get all the first to come along with it. But guess what? They ain't practicing and they dang sure ain't giving their best in the game. We getting wiped out. I never lost as many games in my life till I came to Minnesota as a freshman. Never lost as many games. So I had to change my mindset. And in that process of me changing my mindset, it ain't all about winning and losing. I just want to see your effort. If y'all effort is the same as mine, match my intensity, then I'll be okay if we get our butt whooped. We working to get better. But if we ain't seeing your effort out there, we check, we cutting ourselves short. So when Coach Mason came, he was on that. We did three with three practices a day, which was illegal. I know it. I don't care. I like the practice because I like to hit. And then at the end of the day, when it's time for us to eat, oh, well, I did all the three practices. I'm feeling real good, all right? When it's time for me to eat dinner, I'm coming with whack. We got steaks, potatoes, everything out there. Coach Mason put beans, bologna, big thick bread, about like this here, mashed potatoes. I said, hold on, what this man thinking? Slavery days is over. You better just slave me three crates, and we only work with it too. And you feed me this? That's what I do, Ike. I turn all that thing over. Do, do, do. They call Coach Mason to come out there to come get me. He running to me, Ike. I'm ready to go back to Pompano right now, baby. Go, boy, you just a slave. I'm finna show you what we buy in Pompano. He running to me, Ike. As he run to me, I'm seeing the man ain't breaking down. So what you think I'm finna do? Let him run me in? So when he get close, I fresh, I flinch like that, he back back. I knew I got him, so I can't, I gotta go on through. I can't make no monkey motion, I ain't right. gonna follow through, Ike. You know that. Right. So I right. go through, he's like, what you doing? I don't know, what, the, what you doing? I just gave you everything I had, coach. I went over there, them boys ain't practicing, I practiced. So now you finna tell me it's right for me to eat this beans, bologna, <laughs> All that, when I just had steak, potatoes, all that pasta, man, slave days over, send me back to Pompano. He looked at me, he said, 
Mr. Carter. All my team don't want to edit. He said, for here on up, he gave me J.D. Horts and got everybody J.D. Horts after that and said, told my team, he said, for here on up, y'all follow this guy, you won't do nothing wrong. We ch changed my team culture, boy. And guess what? We was on a 25-year drought, I 25-year drought. And we go to our first bowl, second in the Big Ten. They bumped us then because that's when I really understood money in the politics. Just because our fans don't travel, like Wisconsin, who's been the tradition of winning, Michigan, who's been traditional winning, Ohio State, who's been traditional winning, Michigan State, but now, poor little old Minnesota done bust their tail and got up there to tie for second in the Big Ten. Right? We supposed to went to the Outback Bowl. They say, no, we, we know. Oh, you earned it to go to Outback Bowl, but your fans don't come with you. We Politics. can't make enough money. We're going to send you to the Sun Bowl. I say, oh, man, is that some baloney? Y'all going to keep <laughs> on me like that, right? I was heated, Ike, but I had to learn. Change at that time because you still got an event to go on, right? It's going to take time. Politics I taught that. That stuck with me. But guess right. what, Ike? <laughs> they f***ed us again. We both went to the Rose Bowl this year, but guess what they let us go to, Ike? And let's what? go to the Outback where we're supposed to win in 99. <laughs> <laughs> hey, CC. But I'm happy. I'm happy, dog. I'm happy hey, for my school. You already talked about Jerome Bettis, Bussy. He's a Hall of Famer. You play with a Hall of Fame, and you play with Dick LeBeau. He's a Hall of Famer, so we all know what he meant to us. We all know what he meant to us. He was probably one of the most important people to us than anything, truth be said. You play for a Hall of Fame coach, head coach, and Coach Cowell. Tell the viewers a guy you shared the field with in the Troy Palomalu. We all man. understood what that man meant to us. But I want, I, they, they, they know how I feel about boy, it. Look I here. want you to tell them. You said a key word, and I got to take off my dang hat, you see, because I'm getting hot right now. Because <laughs> when you said that, I got to be thankful Coach Cowell start with him first. Because he trusted me, he believed in me. I played y'all that preseason. I don't know if you remember, Ike. In 04, yeah. I played y'all with the Vikings on the preseason. I, I hit Jerome Bettis on the sideline. He got hurt. Right. But he brought me over there, him and Kevin Colbert. And I live my life on Coach Cowell, bands of brotherness. And to see Coach Cowell and my brother Troy going to the Hall of Fame at the same time, Boy, that's just let you know how special we was, Ike, as a coach and as a player. But to be playing next side of him, next side of him, watching him prepare, watching him approach the game, and how he out there in that game, man, and his faith. And we know, Ike, he don't go off the world while we training, balling, doing what we're doing. He's out there studying his faith, man. 100%. Different religion. He studied them all. He had a special gift. His instinct was like none other. His smartness, his togetherness as a team, playing alongside him, it hurted me I couldn't be out there with him every play. Because I know when we out there, it was a special moment for both of us. Because he had, I, I don't know if I ever told you this, he had to talk to me. When Chris Holt left us, and they brought Ryan Clark there, and they said it was going to be open competition, 
I did everything I can for the first time. I want to start the season as a starter. I knew they brought Ryan over there to take it because he's been starting. He got experience starting more than me. And I knew all I said, if you're going to give me a fair shot, I'll be okay. I was already complacent being the third safety coming in on third down playing the quarter package. But this particular time when you said it, I want to see what it holds true. And at the end of the game, preseason started. Troy come to me. He said, TC, you playing your butt off, man. But I want you to do this for me. No matter what happens, I want you to be my eyes. I say, Troy, you know I'm going to do that all the time. I'm going to watch it. When you come off the field, I have something to tell you now because you, you, you gamble a lot, boy. You, you put us in a lot of risk. That's why when you're out there with me, well, you better tell me what you're going to do so I can cover you. You better tell me now. Don't go out there and do your own thing, and then all of a sudden you don't tell me. Now your guy wait open. I can help you. Tell me. Now I got to tell the other boys who looking for help for me. I right, you right. by yourself. <laughs> <laughs> but to see that transpire, man, and they didn't give it to me. I respect Coach Coward because Coach Coward didn't bring us in one at a time. He brought us in together. And he talked to us together. He said it. He said, TC, what you played your butt off, you did way more than we expected you to do. You didn't lose the job. We gonna get Ryan a job because he got experience. You gonna still play. You gonna play 25, 20 to 25 snaps a game. I just had to tell you for a man to let you know that you didn't lose it. You gotta respect We're going that. with the experience. I you had to respect, respect my dad. Yeah. And now, yeah. here come Troy. I'm mad in the I'm mad in the jangle bang when I come out that dang meeting room. I ain't done nothing that's going on in that practice. I Troy come to me. He said, TC, you remember what I said, right? I said, yeah. He said, you think you're doing it right now? I said, no, not really, Troy, because I'm kind of mad right now. I just got, got on me. He said, no, but see, no matter what they do to us, we have to stay in one accord. I said, you're right, Troy. I'm sorry, bro. I won't let it get to me. And that touched me that I ain't even let it affect me no more, man. I just started going, and all of a sudden, I, hey, we ain't even mad about it. I help it, Ryan. We together. It ain't make no difference. They make it like we're going to collide with one another, like right. they, we, we was competing for the same position. But me and Ryan became best buddies, man. Best boys, best friends. We helping each other. We didn't care who started. It didn't matter. We know we was going to play, and we're going to help each other to win. Now, that right there, I. That is a band of brothers, my brother's keepers. Boy, it's it, boy, it's unstoppable. <laughs> unstoppable. <laughs> That's why we won. That's why we was great. That's why we were special. That's why that group of team, you will never, never find that again. Not in this culture, unless they're going to have to change it. You have to change it. That's all it, I got to say, Ike. The culture, the, the band of brothers, the culture that we had, on that defense, and I'll say for the whole team for the most part, but especially on the defensive side, TC, I don't think the viewers even understand we still in a 15-man group text from 2005 to this day. It's 15 years later, we still in a 15-man group text, checking on each other kids, checking on each other, clowning, having fun, just hearing each other's voice, 15 years later, all because of that bond. 
And what I try to tell people every Tuesday or just in life, because I do a Taylor Talk Tuesday, but what I try to tell people is the more you're unselfish, the more work you can get done in life, period. And you know, I only played one year of cornerback, and I was against all eyes coming into the Pittsburgh Steelers. They wound up drafting two second-round draft picks at the cornerback position. So I was the odd man out, being a fourth-rounder. But 12 years later, I still had to hold it down. At the same point, what helped me group was being around guys like Jerome Bettis, Joey Porter, you, Troy Palomalu, Dick LeBeau, Deshae Townsend, all y'all guys kind of just being more in the spotlight and having more experience. One thing I did like about us in that locker room, we all knew Troy was special. We all knew he was special. It wasn't no if, ands. And Kevin Colbert and Dick LeBeau and our position coaches, they didn't have to evaluate or grade us. We evaluated and graded ourselves. So that's what made us so special. We didn't sugarcoat anything. And if you want to talk about, and I hope this generation can relapse back to constructive criticism because that's what we did well with one another. We argued, we fought, but I'd be goddamn if we let anybody from any other team say or do something to us. They had to fight or they had to argue with all of us. So for this generation, I pray and hope y'all can start, one, critiquing, two, taking constructive criticism, because it ain't going to do nothing but help. And let me piggyback yeah, off ahead. that, too. Like in our conversations here on the Believe in Steelers podcast, something that you consistently reiterate to me is how – as teammates, you were able to work together in cohesion and how much more you can accomplish collectively versus just trying to make it all about yourself, just me, 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 all the time. I mean, TC, a piggyback here, vouch for me. Dick LeBeau, and yes, started with Coach Cowell, but Coach Dick LeBeau really preached the unselfish act. But more than preaching, he really showed it. So when he come to a, a Monday morning meeting and he's like, Dan, y'all put me in a good position. I made a bad call. We looking at each other like, Dan, Dickie, you're a Hall of Famer. You know what? You, you're supposed to always be right. And he never, it was never about him, though. It was never about Dickie. It, it was about we. And now that I think about it, everybody had a story on that team especially on the defensive side. Whether you was 5'7", and the world doubted you, whether you was a fourth-round draft pick and you were supposed to be a bust because you only played for one year, whether you was a free agent and Ryan Clark and you're not supposed to be in the league for 13 years, whether you're Chris Hope and you're a third-round pick but you should have went first round, but people going to say stuff about you, whether you're Deshae Townsend coming from Alabama, fourth-round draft pick, was too small, too slow, but wind up playing 12 years. A lot of us had stories on that defense. And for some reason, and Dick LeBeau could tell you, because he was the one that said it first. Dick, it was like he'd never seen a group of guys so together, so together. 
that's the way I go about life. Like, it ain't about me. It's about we. And TC, Tyrone Carter, the guy who's on with us for the Believe in Stillers podcast, TC and I, we just created a bond. I don't know when we, I don't know how we really created TC, really, to be honest with you, but we just, we just did. Man, I, I think our bond, man, both of us fourth round draft picks. Both of us come from the South era. Both of us had to prove ourselves when nobody gave us a chance. You, on the other hand, you was taller, never played the position before, played running back and switched in the NFL playing cornerback and have the God superstars every week, the top receivers every week, and you had to learn that. I'm coming from South Florida, 5-7, playing safety when nobody gave us a chance. What me and you shared was, boy, we ain't fear nobody. We didn't care. We ain't take no mess. We gonna stand up. We gonna say what we what we mean, what we believe, and we ain't tipping from that. I think that when I got there, when I seen that with you, man, who I, I felt like that's a brother. God put me here. You know, even though I was older, but at the same time, you can relate to somebody. And I think that what made us a great defense because all of us had those same type of issues that we can relate to one another. And it's, you can get to your brother. So when you got an unselfish team like you spoke of, Ike, and that's the main key that most people got to understand is you got to have an unselfish team to be a champion. You have to have that. And we had that. That rated us about every year, man. We was thinking about how we could continue to grow and get better. And not only that, what we did to get with each other uh, out away from the football field. Take away the X's and O's. Let's talk about life now. And that's the thing that these kids don't talk about because everything is football, football, basketball, basketball, or sports, sports, sports. But nobody really have those life issues. Now, we spent time away from the football game with dealing with life issues, understanding each other, and hanging together. We seen somebody having a hard time. Guess what? We get over there and bond with them. We do something, get them out. That is over. Now, we move farther. That's called Band of Brothers, my brother's keeper. We helping each other. And look at it. That's why we got that group chat. I 17 people on the group chat that we talked since 2004. This 2020. And we still do it every day. I ain't gonna talk still about once it. a week. Every, every day. day. Every day. Not a person, because I'm in Minnesota right now for eight years. I don't even hang out with the people that drafted with me. Don't know how long see them half the time. And then to my college kid, my college guys, I don't graduated. I don't even hang out and talk to them. How is that possible? But I'm thankful because my brothers, I know they love me just like they I love them. I know they want the best for me just like I want the best for them. I know they want us to continue to enjoy our life after football and check on each other, see what we're doing. And guess what? We better help each other along the way. Right. We got to help each other along the way. You hear me? I, yep. I got to get going, man. I got to go to this children's hospital at 11 hey. o'clock. Hey, thank you, bro. Appreciate you. You hear me, man? I love you, bro. You take love care. You Keep too, doing dog. what you're doing. I ain't do too much cussing, and you know that, that ain't TC. <laughs> <laughs> Mark Bergen, nice yeah. to meet you, big fella. Absolutely. Thanks for coming on. Thank you, TC. You're welcome, bro. Love you, bro. I love you too, bro. Great interview with Tyrone Carter. A couple of other news information we need to get to big ben throwing again 
Were you surprised at all he wasn't throwing lefty at all? He's throwing the ball pretty soft and everything, but it's only February. I know he's getting a lot of grief because he looks like a mountaineer and he's got the big beard and everything, but still a lot of time between now and the start of the season, but it is encouraging to see Big Ben, Ben Roethlisberger throwing footballs again. Well, good sign to hope. You know, that's a good sign to hope for Pittsburgh and the Steeler Nation. Just knowing Ben and the competitor he is, we shall see. I don't think he'll be ready for OTAs. Training camp, they'll probably monitor to really see how his arm feels. There's no rush on the elbow because he got to use that elbow if he passing every day. So there ain't going to be no rush. We're going to take our time on the elbow. That's how I'm thinking as a medical staff. But just to see seven throwing, regardless of how soft you want to say it, the man just had, you know, reconstructed elbow surgery. So... You can only imagine, one, he had to sit out for a whole year, two, the rehabilitation going to have to take a while. So just to see that, though, I'm sure it's going not even from the front office to the, the young receivers that he have now raise their spirits up knowing that seven is and have a shot to come back for the 2020 season. And Roethlisberger expects to be fully cleared in about three months. So give it time. Again, he's still rehabbing back. Again, it is February right now. So everyone that's freaking out and saying, oh, the Steelers are doomed for the 2020 season, I think that's very, very premature, especially coming back after that elbow surgery on his throwing elbow. Ike, I don't know if you saw this. Hard knocks. The Steelers are the favorite for the 2020 seasons. Now, I didn't know this. I did some research before today's show. There are three exemptions for teams that would prevent them from being featured on Hard Knocks, and these are the three. If the team has a first-year head coach, if they have a playoff berth in the past two seasons, or if they have appeared on Hard Knocks in the past 10 years. Steelers have made the playoffs in 12 of the last 19 seasons, so they've only missed the playoffs in back-to-back seasons in one other occasion during that period. Right now, they're the favorites that they'll be on the show, and who knows when HBO will have the chance again to get a franchise like the Steelers. They wanted us for a few times while I was playing Hard Knocks. It would have been a movie. It would have been the movie. If Hard Knocks would have came, I think we denied them twice. It would have been the movie. But now you got personality stars like Juju. You know, I think he'll be perfect. You got Big Ben, he's coming back. I think that would be a good story. You got up and coming young guys. It's a lot of personalities you'll get to see that you usually don't. You know, you got a good story in James Conner. You know, you got Pouncey, he probably played a villain, you know, but he's a he's a he's a big teddy bear. You got a lot of guys. Minka Fitzpatrick, you know, Devin Bush, Vince Williams. Shazier story too. The Shazier story. Oh, I think people will actually love. Vince Williams. If V-Dub, if HBO, my growth V-Dub. Like, I've been knowing V-Dub, Vince Williams, since he was in the, I don't know, eighth grade. So, he, he like, that's my little brother. People would love to see him on camera. He, he, would, he would get his own show, so say. Coach T, Coach T and his IQ, if he's allowed, if he lets the camera, you know, to follow him around, Coach Tomlin, his IQ, his out look on football and from the business side, period. You know, the Rooney's there, tight-knit family, so I don't know, you know, if they really want to be on the two. But for prestige, historical 
franchise like the Pittsburgh Steelers, it might just be that time, you know, to let the world see how you run your business, how Coach T do things, what it is to be a Pittsburgh Steeler. What's the perception of hard knocks for guys around the NFL? Uh, there's really, you know, guys, there's really no perception. It'll show you how fast people are changed in front of the camera. It, it'll show you who gets outside of their body for the camera. Has the, the camera going to be the camera, regardless? See, the camera to me is just like having money. You find out who a person really is when they get a lot of money. What They're going to stay the same or they're going to change. The camera, when the camera is, for, is in front of you, you're going to stay the same or you're going to change. So that's how I look at the camera. I look at the camera like looking at money. People who get money, you know, they say they tend to change for the worse. People who get money just stay the same. Money don't change them. Same thing with the camera. Do money change? Do the camera change you, or are you still gonna be you? So that's that's how I look at that scenario. And we'll see what HBO decides. The Arizona Cardinals, Jacksonville Jaguars, Denver Broncos, and Detroit Lions are also up for consideration for hard knocks. That's going to be here before you know it. The Combine's starting to get underway. Free agency is less than a month away, and then we'll have the NFL draft in April as well. Ike, I don't know if you saw negotiations with the new CBA. They're proposing a 17-game regular season, adding an additional playoff team for each conference, which would mean each conference would have one team that would get a bye in the playoffs. So this year it would have been the Baltimore Ravens and the San Francisco 49ers would have been the only teams to have gotten bye weeks. But there have been several seasons where if there were seven playoff teams in each conference that the Steelers would have gotten in. And to me, this just creates more intrigue in the sense that you would have 14 teams make the playoffs each year. Kind of what was your takeaway? What do you think of the 17-game regular season that they're proposing, the expanded playoff? What's, what's your take on that, Ike? They're taking the preseason game away, right? Mm-hmm. So, I think to three. So they, 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 they're going to take a preseason game away. I think that's cool. I think they're going to get them an a extra check. I think that's fair. At the same time, what are the players proposing back to the owners? You know, so I think the players now are kind of shortcutting themselves. If I'm a player and you want me to play more regular season games, and the scenario sounds good and it looks good. And I like the, you have to work your butt off to get to the top of the mountain. You know, now now is there's nothing given. So not saying a game don't mean anything, all games mean everything. For me as a player, I got to ask for the stars in the moon. You know, if you're going to want me to play 17 games with the new CBA, I got to ask for, you know, lifetime health care. I got to ask for guaranteed contracts. Or I got to ask for a high percentage of my contract to be guaranteed, regardless of whether I'm a rookie or a 12-year vet, so say. That's what I think the players should ask for. I don't know. I'm just thinking if I was a team leader and wound up having a few good team leaders. Ryan Clark was one of our team leaders, and he he understood the book from the front to the back, memorized everything. So 
with the new CBA, if I'm a player, I'm asking for the solar system. So say, I'm going to shoot, I'm going to aim high. I'm aiming really high to get or to find a happy medium if you're going to add a game. By the end of the day, the owner's going to be making money forever. A lot of these owners, is their second hobby. Having a team, having a football team is something secondary. Only a few families or a few owners, this is how they make their money. You know, I think it's on like three or four teams, Pittsburgh included. But at the same time, though, I got to shoot high. And the lifetime health care I'm shooting for and a high percentage of my contract I'm shooting for if you want me to go 17. And I'll say this too, if this is negotiated properly, everyone stands to benefit the owners on down to the players. And here's why. The NFL CBA expires at the end of the 2020 season. The reason why that's very important to get that done in advance, the NFL's deals with Fox, CBS, and NBC expire after the 2022 season, and its deal with ESPN expires after 2021. Football, if you look at the TV ratings, is up. And think about how many other TV broadcasts struggle with that to generate and to draw ratings. And the NFL has been as high as it's ever been. Right. If they're able to negotiate the CBA and then get a new rights package with the TV broadcasts, you're talking about boatloads of money that the league has really never seen before and to where everyone stands to benefit. There's a lot on the table there. Now, I think the NFL still needs the traditional channels. It still needs Fox, CBS, NBC, and ESPN to distribute its product. But how do the streaming services like an Apple or an Amazon factor into this? It's going to be very interesting to see how that is, is configured because the NFL, while I think they could appear on those streaming services, I know there are cord cutters out there. So many people still watch their games on cable TV or on satellite TV. So how all of this unfolds is going to be fascinating to watch, but you're talking about just gobs and gobs of money. If this is handled the right way, everyone stands to benefit. Yeah. From a TV standpoint, you know, from an owner standpoint, from a player standpoint, I think I think all three sides can benefit if it's done right. The TV standpoint is they're going to be fighting. They're going to pay the NFL whatever they want. Whatever the NFL wants from a TV perspective, they're going to get because it's more games. People are going to view more. That's only going to last a couple of more years. Because this streaming is, is, is getting huge and all you need is Wi-Fi. So people really look at it, look at cable as being, I'm spending $100 on cable when I only really watch five channels throughout the week, if you think about it. Think about how many channels you really watch. You don't watch too many channels on cable. In about a couple of years, streaming going to be worldwide with the Wi-Fi. It's, it's going to be cost-efficient. From an owner's standpoint, you know, the owner's always about their money. It's a billionaire's boy club. You don't become a billionaire by not knowing how to do business. <laughs> That's what you do. You do business. And for the most part, it's 90-10. It's, it's my way, 10% your way. And they'll figure that out. The owners will figure that out. Collectively. Collectively, they'll figure that out. From the player's standpoint, Timing is everything. 
And they've been talking about doing 17 games for a while now. I think with the, the live streaming, this young millennial generation who's already in the league understanding their worth and on what the owners are getting by using their name in them as a product, I think now is the time for 17 games. If you would have told me this while I was playing, that wasn't the time. I think now for for all parts, for the for the TV part, for the owner's part, for the player's part, now is the time. You know, I think everybody can eat. If you would have told me this a couple of years ago, five years ago, it would have leaned more towards the owners. But with the new CBA, I think now is the time for all three parties. You know, everybody can be happy for the most part. I just hope the players shoot for the solar system when it comes down for their needs and asking the NFL what they what they want. And that's a high percentage of their contracts being guaranteed in lifetime healthcare. Yeah, and especially when you talk about the average NFL player lasts, what, three and a half seasons. For most players, it's a very, very short period in their lifetime. And so you want to get compensated for the work that you put in and everything. From the TV standpoint, I would be surprised if DirecTV still has the monopoly with NFL Sunday Ticket if that isn't more widely accessible to other fans who might live in different parts of the country and can't watch their favorite team on TV. I know the NFL has uh, the NFL Network has Red Zone, which will flip around between the games, but having the game more accessible to fans, I think, only benefits the overall product that the NFL puts out there for fans to be able to access and to be able to watch their favorite teams in different ways. And I think figuring that out with these TV broadcast contracts that are coming up, I think is going to be key moving forward to just to continue to grow the popularity of the NFL. Yeah. I did figure it out, Mark. I think they'll figure it out. I just hope the players ask for the solar system. So say when it comes down to negotiating, if not, you know, the, the owner's going to always have that. <laughs> always have that leverage, you know, for owner. And I tell guys, you know, even Richard Sherman has been telling guys to save their money for at least three years now because it's, it's about to come down to the come down. So, you know, and, and I hope guys pay attention to that because that's what the owners really lean on. Like the owners really lean on guys, and I hate to say this, really not saving their money. So you need me this year. You need me now. You know, it's only – I'm only playing the field, y'all. If it's, if it's 53 guys in the roster, I'm only playing the field, y'all, big bucks. So I know a few of y'all ain't going to put y'all money in the pot and try to help guys who mismanage their money. So, you know, 70% of the guys probably mismanage their money. So say, and the owners know that. So the deal gets done more towards the owner's favor than the player's favor. And that's how that's going to work to the players realize and understand managing their money really helps in a CBA or possibly a lockout, you know? So hopefully they'll work everything out. I think though, Mark, the timing is right for all three parties. Absolutely. And that's something that has been well-documented. I know back in the day, Sports Illustrated did a long profile piece about how a lot of athletes tend to mismanage their money just because their playing careers aren't all that long. And that's not just in the NFL. That's in all professional sports. And then I know ESPN's 30 for 30 went on to do a series two in terms of how this happens. Sometimes 
business partnerships don't work out or athletes are exploited or they're, I mean, it's simple as it sounds, spending more than they're actually earning. And so we'll see how all this plays out, but you want to see the players get compensated for the work that they put forward. And again, like I said, if this is handled properly, everyone stands to benefit from. And so that's what I would focus on at least, you know, towards we approach those deadlines that I had previously mentioned. Again, the NFL CBA expiring at the end of the 2020 season, the NFL's deals with Fox, CBS, and NBC expire after the 2022 season and its deal with ESPN expires after 2021. Ike, the NFL Combine is underway. Is there anything that you have your eye on now that the players have arrived in Indianapolis? For me, it's more just meetings. You know, just the, the players who go and just conducting themselves like an interview type. You know, you'll find a diamond in the rough for the NFL Combine, but it's sitting down with owners, GMs, and coaches. You know, you, that's, that's the main part. Your tape is your walking, talking, breathing resume. Meaning it, the combine is good. It probably would have been good for low round guys like myself. Probably would have pushed myself on having a good combine. Probably would have pushed me to the second or first round. But guys who projected to go first or second round, they're going to go first and second round. For me, I look at the combine being more guys who second day guys who can show the world what they can do as far as like agility and drills. Good owners, good GMs, good coaches, they just watch tape. But they do use the combine for interviews. So now you really get to sit down and talk to a kid and pick his brain, see if the kid is a good fit or not for your organization. So from a player's perspective, you know, just look at it as being an interview. From here on out, you interviewing so they say you can't play football no more because even when you make it, you still got to interview the next year. So from, and that's how I look at it. But it's becoming more of like a, it's becoming more entertainment on TV. You know, fans get to see, you know, especially family and friends get to see a per, get to see in person how things are 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 drawing up, what they do at the combine, what's expected at the combine. You know, the Ford is like the hundred yard dash for the Olympics. Everybody tune in to watch that part of the combine. So then you get to hear unique stories. You know, that's another thing I do like about the combine. It is, it's always a lot of stories on the upbringing or what had happened, or what made this person get to that point, you know? So I do like the stories of the combine, you know? So in the world, get to see it. That's what I do like about the combine, man. Just, it opened up a lot of avenues one, the world can see, you know, what we have to go through as players. But I just like hearing the stories. You know, I like hearing them good stories from somebody who had to fight adversity and understood how to fight it and putting themselves in a position to at least get drafted. We'll see how the NFL Combine unfolds here in the next week or so. Just want to give a quick shout out to the listeners of the Believe in Steelers podcast and thank our first guest to Tyrone Carter for joining us early yes. in the podcast too. That was great. You can listen to the Believe in Steelers podcast, however you get your podcast, iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Play, Luminary, iHeart, and TuneIn. Please rate, review, and subscribe. If you're interested in becoming a presenting sponsor of the Believe in Steelers podcast with Ike Taylor and Mark Bergen, please contact the Believe Podcast Network at Believe.com. That's B-L-E-A-V.com, B-L-E-A-V.com. Like this was a fun show today. Hey, man.
TC, I told you TC was a pistol starter. That's just TC. But yeah, next week, got another guest coming up. I told you, man, we're going to start doing this every week. So every week, we're going to start bringing guests. I got another guest coming next week. Make sure y'all stay tuned in. So from here on out, every week, we're going to have a guest until the regular season start. From here on out. So I guess I got like 30-something weeks. So we're going to have a guest for 30-something weeks. So that's 30-something people I'm putting on to y'all. Stay in tune with Mark and I for the Believe in Steelers podcast. Want to thank all the sponsors for giving us a chance. Want to give Believe. Want to thank Believe for rocking with us and giving us a chance as well. Keep viewing. Keep rating. This going to be insightful. We just getting started. Before you know it, we're going to wind up being in the studio somewhere. I promise you. I uh, want to thank everybody again for tuning in to Mark and I for the Believe in Steelers podcast. Give the people what they want. For Ike Taylor, I'm Mark Bergen. Thanks for listening to the Believe in Steelers podcast. We'll see you next week. So long, everybody. Peace. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.